0: Overdrive.
1: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that canvases issues related to cars and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we have news stories including a breakthrough electric vehicle that they say you never need to plug in, it just runs off the sun. We talk a lot about new car sales, but how is the market in second-hand cars going? We talk to David Lowe from Gumtree Cars. One of Overdrive's desired transport policies is to make buses sexy. Brian Smith is doing a big project in Canberra to achieve just that. He tells us why it is rewarding, but a tough task. And we continue continue with Brian Smith in a more light-hearted chat on a report that tries to understand... Why Children Like to Look at Garbage Trucks. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. So, let's get the program going with the news. In the last two months, a growth in new car sales has been strong for vehicles that could be used for recreational activities, such as SUVs and newts. But what is happening in the new car market is also reflected in the second-hand market. David Lowe is the marketing manager at Gumtree Cars, the market site on which you can advertise a vehicle.
0: So we're seeing a, a trend towards both the term on-site, so a 4x4 four four or 4-wheel four drive up about 70%, so we're seeing that up dramatically. Toyota Prado is up 20%, so that's the third quarter, and your classics like uh, Land Cruiser is up 13%. And we're seeing it extend right out to patrols and ranges and so forth. So the adventure sector is is right on up. Even the seven-seater and eight-seater searches we're seeing on the platform also really um, playing up uh, from that side.
1: While recreational vehicles have shown promise in recent car sales, it's a bit of a fickle market. In October last year, Mitsubishi released an update of their Triton Ute, with particular emphasis on improved capability for mid-spec four-wheel drive models. The market responded well. In November and December 2019, sales of their four-wheel drive models were up over 25%. But for November 2020, their sales are down some 50%. When we recently tested a Triton Ute, Of course, a friend needed to move some furniture. When they rode in the Mitsubishi, he was surprised at how relatively quiet it was, showing that utes are getting more car-like. The Ford Ranger and Toyota Hilux are the class-leading dual-cab utes, but the Triton is quite a few thousand dollars cheaper, and at the moment they have drive-away prices from $37,000. In the 1950s, the three-wheeled Messerschmitt was tiny and light, and thus the ultimate economy vehicle. Now a company is planning a three-wheeled car with zero fuel costs. It looks futuristic with an aerodynamic shape, and is built out of strong, lightweight materials, including carbon, Kevlar and hemp. But its biggest feature is the solar panels on the body that, they say, provides enough power to run it. Aptera says their Never Charge vehicle can gain 8km of travel for every hour in the bright sun, or about 65km per day. The limitations are obvious, such as the reduction on cloudy days, but Aptera believes an average commute is 25km, so it would be an ideal commuter car. In the US, the Never Charge vehicle will be priced in equivalent Australian currency – from $35,000 to $62,000. While some Utes have the brand name of the vehicle in huge letters across the tail, there has been, in previous years, little specific badging to highlight the particular model of your vehicle. Utes are now leading the charge for more model recognition with specific names like Ranger Track and, coming soon, the Ranger FX4 Max. But what about cars that make an environmental statement? In the UK, all new and used zero-emission cars, currently only electric vehicles, are now eligible to wear green badge number plates to help distinguish them from petrol and diesel vehicles. Research carried out by Nissan and NewGov claims that 32% of people surveyed would be more likely to buy an electric car because of the new plates. This seems high but the plates could be a gateway to zero-emission parking zones, exemptions from road charges, and even zero-emission lanes. The image of Bentley owners is often seen as those who have little concern for the people or the environment around them. But Bentley's debut electric vehicle, due in 2025, will spearhead a series of radical new models as Bentley pursues new market segments. Bentley, which is owned by the Volkswagen Group, has committed to offering only battery electric vehicles from 2030 onwards. The first EV will take the form of a high-riding saloon. It will be based on a VW Group architecture, which is being developed by Project Artemis, an Audi-led initiative to develop an advanced EV platform. Bentley bosses are not expecting a major leap in battery technology anytime soon, so the firm's first electric models will be designed to match the range and weight limitations of the current systems. The results will be models that differ significantly from Bentley's current lineup. And that has been the news. For the last few months, we have watched the new car sales in Australia recover, particularly with SUVs and utes. The top five selling cars cover two utes and three SUVs. But what's happening in the second-hand market? David Lowe is the marketing manager at Gumtree Cars. David, is the second-hand market booming as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a search across all makes and models and categories up considerably. So uh, this latest quarter, quarter three, we're seeing search up for all those classic uh, makes and models you just mentioned.
1: And particularly those ones, you said all cars, but is it particularly the the recreational vehicles, I guess you might call them?
0: Yeah, very much. So we're seeing a, a trend towards both the term on-site, so a four-by-four four or four-wheel drive up about 70%. So we're seeing that up dramatically. And then uh, going to the classic, like you said, for Toyota uh, Prado is up 20%, so that's the third quarter. And your classics like uh, Land Cruiser is up 13% we're seeing it extend right out to patrols and ranges and so forth. So the adventure sector is, is right on up. Even the seven-seater and eight-seater searches we're seeing on the platform also really um, playing up uh, from that side.
1: You can look at the number of times people type in a keyword.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So it goes two sides. You can look at the make and model, or you can actually see what's typed in. And uh, on the free tech search, we're seeing over 165 million searches through that whole quarter, and that's, that's dramatically up, uh, versus quarter two. So... That's free tech search, and as I said, you're actually getting uh, a nice buoyancy of, of buyers on site, so we have about 150,000 buyers coming to Gumtree Cars every every day, so they're looking, as I said, right across the, the sector's prestige luxury, right through to your classic Toyotas, like I mentioned.
1: Not only that sort of prestige luxury and that, you have some of the great character cars there, some of perhaps... A- reasonably old four-wheel drives, but being decked out in order to be fit for purpose. I saw one Land Cruiser there with a folding tent sort of thing on the roof, that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're seeing a real merge. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a current trend right now. So across the site, to get out of cars for a second, uh, we're seeing caravans up, we're seeing ATV vehicles up, even trailers are up 50% on, on that quarter. Campers, caravans, so it, it's... Definitely a trend building there, where they're looking at recreational vehicles, whether it's coming all together, like you said, that are decked out, ready to go, or they're looking to pull or tow something behind them. There's definitely a trend uh, with these regional holidays seem to be the latest thing for this summer.
1: I guess that's a reflection of the fact that we can't travel overseas now. Exactly
0: right. And I think a lot of this has been planned before some of the more recent border uh, openings. So, that said, it goes right across the site, uh, and we've seen that through the COVID period, and it extends in particularly the cars. As I said, we're seeing it across all those different areas. Mm. On the other side, it's a great opportunity to be able to um, maybe offload or sell a second vehicle if you're looking to upgrade. And that's definitely something we're also seeing too is plenty of vehicles coming on site. So again, each week we're seeing uh, probably about over 20,000 new private vehicles listed every week. And as I said, Gumtree is the largest for um, private listed vehicles. So there's no more private listed vehicles than anywhere else in Australia. And uh, we're seeing... A lot of vehicles come on quite quickly and, as I said, get snapped up, either upgrading or maybe even changing their, their circumstances with that second vehicle where they may not need it the same. So maybe work from home, as I said, an opportunity to travel and, and get that road trip in. You might be
1: selling your Yaris and, and buying a RAV4. Correct.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now, do you see trends for new technologies? Like, do you see the word hybrid being typed in more?
0: Yeah, both hybrid and electric is definitely top in more. I haven't got a stat in front of me, but um, there's definitely seen that search come up and even just fuel efficiency and and looking at different options around that. And then obviously your classic diesel versus petrol is also a search term we see uh, across the board.
1: Are you evolving the site in the sense that if fuel economy comes better, can you reflect that in some ways? Will you be able to emphasise the new reasons people might be looking for cars?
0: Yeah, definitely. We're always looking to improve our search and finding functionality. So with that, there's, there's the left-hand side where you, get, I said, you can pick some of those attributes or just the free, free text at the top search. So if uh, any of those words and those keywords are mentioned, it, it comes up, uh, for, as we said, across hybrids and electrics and so forth. So we'll follow the consumer trend based on what's being searched on site and, and are constantly updating our, both our app and, and the desktop version of Gumtree.
1: The trend towards... Looking at, if not even buying on site, is happening in new cars. Do you think people are becoming more comfortable with that approach?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a lot of um, online search from both, you know, review sites like yourself, and listening to to, to podcasts and, and shows like this. The buyer is far more educated in understanding what they're after, and then using sites like uh, Gumtree Cars to refine that search and then potentially move it into a, into a dealer room or move into a private sale as I said, and, and make engagement with a seller. But there is increasing uh, technology and offers there. And, and right now you can transfer and have electronic transfers through Gumtree Cars, and we're seeing uptake in that also increase.
1: What does that electronic transfer do?
0: So just uh, working with PayPal, you can obviously then transfer safely the funds across from both the deposit and also the uh, the sale price as well.
1: David, that's wonderful information, very thoughtful and statistically backed up information. I thank you very much for your time. No, thank you. And that's David Lowe, who is the marketing manager for Gumtree Cars and a range of accessories as well, here on Overdrive. You're listening to
2: Overdrive.
3: Audi has released the S4 sedan and S4 Avant, or wagon continuing their tradition of sports wagons. The stylishly redesigned models are powered by a 3.0-litre TFSI V6 engine that produces 260 kilowatts and peak torque of 500 Nm, available from as low as 1,370 revs. This is enough for a 0-100 km kmh time of around 4.7 seconds, with a governed top speed of 250 kmh. They're surprisingly economical as well, with an ADR fuel rating of 8.6 litres per 100 Ks. S4 models have a smooth 8-speed Tiptronic transmission, Audi Quattro system with lockable centre diff, S-specific sport suspension and adaptive damper control, all that ensures superb riding dynamics as you would expect. Of course, the interior matches the performance with upgraded infotainment connectivity and Audi virtual cockpit. Special mention goes to the stunningly good LED matrix lighting system. Pricing for the S4 sedan is $99,500, And the S4 Avant is $102,000 plus the usual costs. I'm Rob Fraser.
1: You're listening to Overdrive. Overdrive has a number of very important policies that it wishes the governments to implement. One of them is to make buses sexy. A lot of people don't like buses because they're noisy and polluting. And they wake them up in the morning. But an electric bus might well be one that improves the image and is being seen to embrace modern technology. Our resident transport expert, Brian Smith, is doing some important work down in Canberra. Brian, what's exactly this project all about?
2: G'day, David. The ACT government has um, made a series of commitments around basically trying to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And one of the commitments is around reducing the government emissions. And something like 60% of government greenhouse emissions are generated by the transport sector. And of that 60%, about half are generated by their fleet of diesel buses. So they have a nearly 500 diesel buses um, in their fleet and they they produce about half of the transport related greenhouse gas emissions of government services so they've committed to try and um, reduce that they want to reduce it by a third by 2025 and by uh, 100 percent, they want to be completely zero emission by 2040 2040 our company was uh, commissioned to to actually uh, identify a transition plan, prepare a transition plan for that to happen, for all of their buses to be replaced with electric buses before 2040.
1: Canberra has done a number of things. Uh, They're embracing some trials of electric vehicles in a number of ways, including uh, using Nissan Leafs to power back into the network by directional charging in the peak periods, I see them as being quite progressive. What are some of the barriers to them starting as soon as possible?
2: It's actually much more complex than just buying the buses. And that's, that's often the easy part. There are vendors out there, many of them um, in Europe and in Asia, that are selling battery electric buses and the technology is getting better and better. But you actually need a whole bunch of other stuff to happen before you can start running those buses. So you can fuel a, a, a diesel bus in kind of short period, you know, 15 minutes or, or less. Uh, when you fueled it, it'll drive for 750 kilometers. And, and most of these buses in Canberra operate between 250 and 350 kilometers per day. But an electric bus needs to be charged, and that charge takes longer. Not only that, but you need a lot of energy to do this. So most bus depots use um, electricity at a about the rate of a small factory, right? They've got a workshop and they've got lights and they've got all the kind of electrical stuff that a normal sort of business might have. But if you change that to so that the buses need to be recharged from the electricity grid, then suddenly you're talking about energy draw that's in the, the area of an entire suburb. So you start needing megawatts of power, maybe as much as 20 megawatts of, of power available in order to charge these buses because typically the buses are driving around during the day. They come in and park in the depot at night and they're recharged overnight. And so getting energy infrastructure and the energy into the depots is, is no small feat because you need to make sure that the substations that are there have enough power to do it. Not only that, you want your power to be generated green Canberra is uh, interesting because the ACT government has now got 100% green energy, so all of its energy is, is sourced from wind and solar and the like, and so they have green energy. So then you you actually need to to restructure and redesign the bus depots because the charging infrastructure is needed where the buses are. So at the moment, you know, the bus comes into the depot and it goes through a fuel bowser where it's quickly fueled and then it's parked. But it, because charging might take six hours overnight, the charger needs to be where the bus is. And effectively, you need a kind of a row of chargers where you can maybe have them in a mezzanine above um, above the buses, in you know, a, a structure that's roofed. And then potentially what happens is that um, for every sort of four rows of buses, you might actually lose one to the charging infrastructure. And then you've got a, a, the additional maintenance of that charging infrastructure. So there's, there's actually... A lot of stuff, including training the staff. The driver's is pretty straightforward. You're driving a bus. But the mechanics now have to deal with high voltage. They have to have special tools and special training and and accreditation, special uh, personal protective equipment. So there's actually a very complex task, a series of tasks, and, and interrelated systems that you'd need to address in order to change your fleet over.
1: I visited a bus depot in Singapore when I was over there uh, delivering a paper, uh, and they are embracing that, but they're, of course, having to do it gradually. Yeah. They're having to say, well, let's put a couple in and see what are some of the work conditions, situations. Now, you mentioned that a bus typically does, was it with 250 to 350 kilometres a day? Can they do that on one battery
2: charge? That's an interesting question, David, because... Uh, if you ask the makers, they'll tell you yes. But uh, if you ask the people who are actually running these buses, they they'll say maybe not. And and that's because there's quite a lot of things that um, that affect the range of a bus. So the the amount of energy that they draw is influenced by how many people are on the bus,
1: stop start,
2: what the temperature is outside, how many bus stops there are, how long the route is, how steep it is. Uh, and how fast they drive. And so Canberra, for example, has, has got some quite long routes with very high speeds. They operate buses on, on kind of 90 kilometre per hour motorways. And so all that stuff needs to be taken into account. Our company has a specialist tool which can evaluate all of the, the kind of uh, schedules that the buses need to do and work out what proportion of those could be run by battery buses now.
1: The satisfying work?
2: It's very satisfying because um, it's a field that company I work for is is renowned in, and uh, and it's uh, an opportunity to to really deliver some benefits to public buses. You started out by saying they're not seen as sexy, and and that's true. In when I worked in New Zealand, uh, they were called the loser cruiser. <laughs> and and so they've always had – they've always been battling against this uh, perception of them, which is – you've seen trackless trams being talked about everywhere, and it's really an attempt to to make buses sexy. And I think buses are noisy, there's no doubt about it, and, and diesel buses put out noxious fumes, and you can tell when you're near a diesel bus. The electric buses have this great advantage. They're quieter, they're cleaner. Uh, they can make a big difference. And I, I hope that they will kind of revitalise and reinvigorate – The perception of buses in our cities and it's great to be involved in that.
1: In fact I think that's the same sort of technology that needs to be considered for inner city deliveries of trucks and things. We're embracing it. I know many people who live in the city who hate buses not because of how they use them but because of the noise they make particularly if there's a bus stop outside starting out again. Brian, uh, great to hear that development and that depth an understanding that's necessary to pursue those high ideals, let's come back after the break and talk on a little bit more light-hearted subject.
2: Look forward to it, David.
1: And that's Brian Smith, who is a transport expert with the WSP Consultancy. You're listening to Overdrive.
3: Audi has just launched the SQ5 TDI Quattro Special Edition to sit along their SQ5 TFSI. It's priced from just under $105,000 plus the usual costs. The SQ5 TDI adds 21-inch sports alloy wheels, a choice of four metallic and one pearlescent paint finishes, black exterior styling package, red painted brake calipers, S-body styling, and matrix LED headlights. The new SQ5 TDI is powered by a new mild hybrid 3.0-litre V6 diesel powertrain that produces maximum power of 255 kilowatts, And peak torque of 700 Nm. The SQ5 has a smooth 8 speed Tiptronic transmission and Quattro all wheel drive system as standard. Performance for the SQ5 TDI is a healthy 0 100 km figure of 5.1 seconds and it goes on to an electronically limited top speed of 250 km an hour. Fuel is sipped at a surprisingly good rate of ADR 6.8 litres per 100 ks. I'm Rob Fraser.
1: You're listening to Overdrive. And Brian Smith is indeed back. Brian, when you were a little lad, did you look out the window every time a garbage truck went by?
2: I did, David, and the, it was the hope of seeing a rugby league player that I might know. As <laughs> you might recall back in those days when, when rugby league players had honest jobs, um, they would often be employed by a council in the um, area that they played, and it was quite often as uh, garbage men
1: kept them fit and gave them a job. Yes. Which probably didn't work too many hours or and then gave them a chance to do a bit of training during the day. Yep. There's been some research done, and there's an article in The Atlantic, ...on why children love garbage trucks. not Perhaps not all children, let's be honest, but certainly many children have this idea for it. A couple of reasons that have been put forward by psychologists, by authors of children's books, and by children themselves... And one of them, from the psychology point of view, is that humans thrive on routine. There's something regular to be able to look forward to. From the parents' point of view, it's to get rid of rubbish, but from the child, that some mechanical monster was that part of your image?
2: I read this article, David. I wasn't sure I agreed terribly strongly with it. For me, it was more, I think, about a love of trucks or a love of sort of heavy vehicles than than the sort of the regularity. Although I I did notice that Bluey, that fantastic children's television program, actually had an episode which involved taking the garbage out and the kids would wait out there to say hi to the garbage truck driver. For me, it was more around sort of heavy vehicles and in particular um, construction sites. And I I can remember my father taking me to the city and, and there would be holes, little square holes cut in the hoardings allow kids and adults to basically watch the construction activity. So hmm. big trucks. Uh, my own son loves loves a truck. He's got a, a delivery truck toy that he drives around, which has got a little forklift attached. And So I, I wonder whether it's, it's more about the vehicle and the big sort of industrial plant than it is about garbage.
1: Guy Tubes is the creator of the animated Amazon children's series, I wondered if your your young son loves delivery trucks because of Amazon and the things get delivered to them, but that's another story. But this guy, Guy, he writes and does the series The Stinky and Dirty Show. There is a grossed-out factor about garbage trucks, isn't there? Yes. And one of them was smells, and to be naughty is to create a smell. I'm, I'm talking bodily functions here. <laughs> there is a little bit of, oh, no, don't do that. Is it that there's this different environment? environment? environment, if I might use that word.
2: You mean it's sort of taboo, David, about smell?
1: Yeah, an affront to sensibility. It therefore appeals to the rebel within you?
2: Oh, maybe, David. Yes, kids love dirty stuff and smelly stuff, but i tell you what, they do not like taking the bins out. So (laughs) so I'm not sure I'm going to call uh, that as being a real thing either. um, They only like stinky stuff... Around bodily functions, I'm not sure that they enjoy waste and dirt.
1: And I must confess that doesn't necessarily appeal to me. I think you're right. It is broader, you know, be it snowplows, fire trucks, street sweepers, any of the like. That it is that sort of transformer mechanical device that we almost personified a bit and we do through the driver who might often be friendly wave at the kids because it's a very isolated sort of job to do isn't it you do it in the early
2: hours of the morning yeah you wouldn't see many people yeah
1: there are stories of families whose kid gets up every thursday morning in order to be able to see the truck go past so but you mentioned forklift that's a sort of mechanical device. And, of course, the big arm now that comes out and loads the garbage bins and empties the garbage bins into the truck is a, a great sort of mechanical device, a, this huge big moving arm that does things, mm. that controls its environment in a mechanical way.
2: And there's a skill in getting that all aligned, isn't there, that oh. pulling up to the bin and being able to lift it smoothly into the truck.
1: Do you think there might be a time where you're standing there waiting for it to go wrong?
2: <laughs> no, because for, when you're an adult, you have to go and clean it up. So, so if it <laughs> no, misses... No, I meant the kid, you know, the uh, kid. Maybe, yeah, maybe you want to... Th- I think the interesting uh, horror of the crusher as well, I think, is, oh. is something that, you know, that might cause kids' skin to crawl in an appealing way. You know, the idea that you get you know, garbage is going in there and being crushed and mangled out of shape.
1: Oh, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of stuff.
2: Oh, Star Wars. I think there was one of the crush of the garbage Yeah, you're caught between
1: two walls that are closing
2: in. Imagining what it would be like to be in there, Hmm. as unfortunately a bunch of homeless people have found out over a period of time.
1: We had our little fella, three and a half years old, looking at trucks from the floor level. Oh, yes. That's an important approach angle, isn't it? Because they're
2: big, right? Ah. Yes. You can look at them from the side and see all the wheels and the bits.
1: Then park them under the lounge. (laughs) All right, Brian, good to talk to you. Catch you up next time. Thank you, David. And that's Brian Smith, who, among other things, is a transport expert, but also has a rather acerbic look at life and a remembrance of things from his youth. Here on Overdrive. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to David Lowe, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help during this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.